Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film staff writer, Kwai Bui. Hey, everyone. Hi, HD. How are you? I'm good. That's great. Okay, so let's dive directly into the news here. And uh, there's some Marvel casting news that we should talk about. So give me the scoop on what's going on in the world of the MCU. Yeah, Marvel's Secret Invasion series at Disney Plus is starting to get a pretty stacked cast. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn were already reported to be reprising their roles from uh, Captain Marvel and all the other Marvel movies in Secret Invasion, which would sort of adapt the massive crossover event in which a slow invasion of Earth takes place from the shape-shifting, shape-shifting scrolls, uh, one of which... Uh, ben Mendelssohn plays, but of course that's going to have some sort of change added to it since the scrolls were uh, were shown to be mostly benign aliens. Um, but we had re- recently reported that Kingsley Ben Adir from One Night Miami uh, was set to join the cast as the main villain, and now we have two more really, int- really, um, you know, talented cast members joining, and that is Olivia Coleman, who won an Oscar for her role in The Favorite and is nominated for an Oscar again for her performance in The Father, and Amelia Clark, 
uh, best known for Game of Thrones fame. So none, neither of these two have a role attached to them yet. There's no information on who or what they're playing. But um, this is a pretty stacked cast so far. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this. Um, you know, I'm not super excited about the idea of Secret Invasion because I've never read that comic. And I understand that the comic book is like way more um, expansive in scope because there are characters like the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. And it's like this huge, you know, massive crossover of crossover kind of event. Um, and this show is going to be much more pared down than the comic books. But just the idea of um, of the scrolls and and, you know, invasions and and uh you know ways for the mcu to sort of like retcon itself and like um fold back in on itself i kind of feel like there's they run the danger of getting like a little bit too meta for their own good but um what do you think ht talk me out of that or or are you on the same page where, where are you on this what do you mean by too meta exactly well you know the idea like uh, avengers endgame i feel like worked really well in terms of um the time travel aspect and being able to physically go back into the events of previous movies and like uh, do a little bit of um, like a, a fix it. Yeah. A little bit of a fix it kind of thing for uh, Thor, the dark world, for example, like, you know, uh, the events that happen in Endgame give that movie a little bit more weight than it would have had otherwise. And I feel like secret invasion, you know, if they keep the same basic concept, which is there are invasions from, or there is an invasion from a shape-shifting group of characters, um, they could very easily go back through, you know, some of the MCU events in a similar way and like pinpoint moments that they don't like or want to tweak in some way and just be like, ah, it was a scroll. So, you know, that sort of like, you know, uh, that excuses us for these storytelling whiffs that we made, you know, in, in years past. Do you know, I see what, do you know you what I mean? Kind of like retconning in a way that makes yeah. it convenient for the larger picture and not some bad like creative storytelling choice or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the worst case scenario as I'm imagining it. But um, do you think, because like you said, the scrolls, you know, as, as they appeared in Captain Marvel are, uh, are, are not the sort of like um, all-encompassing like evil villains that they are in the in the pages of Marvel Comics. So um, I don't know what, what I guess aside from this casting stuff, which I agree is very exciting. I love all these people, and I'm excited that that you know these these talented actors are being pulled into this story. What do you what do you think about the Secret Invasion? Um, the concept of that show uh, in this world where the scrolls have been established as not all bad. Well, I didn't assume it would be looking back as much as looking forward, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't really think of it as being like a, a, a chance to retcon a bunch of things and like uh, take the uh, the rug from under your feet by saying, oh, this person was a scroll the entire time. That explains why they were such a bad character or something like that. I assumed it would be something more like moving forward that instead of, you know, going back into previous movies, which I don't think they would do, because this is part of, you know, the new phase of Marvel, so to speak. And I think it would build upon past events versus try to change them retroactively. That's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. And, and I hope you're right. I hope the idea of this being, you know, kind of a fresh start after Endgame means that this invasion will not have happened already, but will either be just starting or be in the process or something instead of, you know, oh, these scrolls have been around for, you know, a hundred years or however long already. And that's at this point. So, um, 
Any particular thoughts about uh, Coleman or, or Clark here? I mean, I know we don't know who they're going to be playing, but um, I, I think you, you in your piece uh, writing up the news about Olivia Coleman, you sort of like made a plea to Marvel um, for a, something that you hope that they don't do, right? Yeah, I hope they don't hide her under layers of prosthetics. That's the my one big hope because she's such a, an emotive actress and I'm really happy that she has gotten like the second wind in her, her career where she's had sort of dramatic uh, breakthrough after impressing so long in comedy and in TV. And uh, I just want to see her, you know, be able to act to her utmost uh, without all those prosthetics. Though I do think that she is one of the few actors who could pull off like making a likable character uh, out of a, a scroll like prosthetic based mm-hmm character because uh like like ben mendelson did with his character and he's he's such a great and likable actor and he was a scene stealer in, Mar- in captain marvel and i feel like olivia coleman could do the same but um there's actually fun doctor who crossover she was in an episode of doctor who before she you know pre-oscar fame and she was just a, a good you know solid character actor and she showed up as the villain of the episode but was kind of a forgettable villain it was kind of a they didn't make as much use of her as they could have. So mm-hmm. that's my one hope. Like they don't, they don't uh, doctor who her and just kind of like give her a fine villain, but nothing that actually like works to her, her talents. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the sequel for this movie, which we still don't know what the title is. We know it's going to be coming out in 2022. Um, this movie now has uh, three directors. So way back in 2018, I think right before the first movie actually was released, there was some news that uh, I think his name is Joaquim Dos Santos, uh, who's one of the directors of Avatar The Last Airbender, would be directing this upcoming sequel. But um, a couple days ago, or actually, I guess this was last night um variety reported that kemp powers who is one of the co-directors of uh, pixar's soul and the writer of one night in miami and justin k thompson who is the production designer on spider-man into the spider-verse have joined dos santos and they have now formed this sort of triumvirate of uh, directors for this new movie so um that's exciting news um According to Variety's report, these three have actually been working on the project together from the start. So this is something that I guess could have, maybe should have come out, you know, way back in 2018. I'm not sure why it took so long for this bit of news to to sort of trickle out into the world, especially if these guys have been working on this together the whole time. Um, but uh, Justin K. Thompson, this is going to be the first time that he's directing anything. Um, he also was the production designer of the Claude with the Chance of Meatballs movies that um, Lord and Miller did. And uh, so I'm excited to see sort of what he he brings, you know, behind the camera. He did. He was such a, an uh, integral part of like the crafting the aesthetic and the look of uh, the first Spider-Verse movie. And then Kent Powers obviously had like a hell of a year last year. I mean, uh, COVID aside, he, he was like, you know, 2020 was like a great year for Kent Powers because of Soul and One Night in Miami. So um, and and the the idea that these guys have been working on this since 2018 is means that the the people who you know at Sony the producers of this movie um, were able to sort of pick Kemp Powers out of like relative obscurity uh, earlier than you know they got him like way early in the in the uh, they, they're not just like jumping on the, the Kemp Powers um, bandwagon here they got him like well before his his sort of breakout year last year um, the only other news that came with this announcement was that uh, Lord and Miller. Are who are you know who uh, I I think Phil Lord had a writing credit on the first movie and um, 
Miller was a producer and they both produced the first movie. They are actually officially co-writing the script for the sequel with Dave Callahan, who um, wrote the script for uh, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which is another Marvel movie. So uh, all of that is exciting to me. And, you know, I think I think all of us on the podcast really loved Into the Spider-Verse. So we're excited to see what happens with that sequel. It's not going to be out for a while, though. October 7th, 2022 is when that comes out. But uh, I just wanted to drop that directing news in case people... Uh, needed more reasons to get excited about uh, that movie. Um, HG, I don't know much about uh, Joaquim Dos Santos, but his credits, you know, in the the world of Avatar, The Last Airbender, I think he also directed several episodes of uh, Legend of Korra. Do you know anything about him? Is he a person whose name has stuck out to you in the credits when you were sort of consuming all of those shows? Uh, yeah, I recognize his name. He was a background designer and character designer on Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't know what episode of Avatar he directed. I, I can't remember exactly, but um, any any person who's associated with Avatar The Last Airbender is fine by my book. <laughs> Great. Okay, so uh, let's get into uh, some news about the Batman spinoff series that's coming to HBO Max. What do we know about that? Yes, uh, according to, well, this is kind of through the grapevine. So um, the Batman spinoff series has been reported to be about Gotham PD for a while now. And we it was all, always kind of assumed that it would be a an adaptation of the acclaimed comic series Gotham Central, uh, although there would be major differences because the HBO Max series will be a prequel to Matt Reeves' feature film The Batman and Gotham Central takes place concurrently with the events of of Batman like uh, as he's well into his career so there would be some differences there but Gotham Central the comic series was written by Ed Brubaker and Greg Rucka and Brubaker was also curious of whether Gotham Central would play a large part in the HBO Max um Batman spinoff which doesn't have a title yet and Brubaker had apparently a approached a producer who works for Matt Reeves and asked, uh, are they going to make it about Gotham Central? Or am I going to have to think about like whether the rights to the title is going to be in play here? And this producer apparently told him, no, it's not really Gotham Central. Uh, they're making sure that they don't call it Gotham Central. It's more of a spinoff of the movie. And it will actually be more like the James Gordon show. James Gordon being Commissioner Gordon, played by Jeffrey Wright in uh, the Matt Reeves Batman. And so this seems to be an indication that this will be a, another prequel series dedicated to James Gordon. And I say another because that's exactly what the concept of the Fox TV series Gotham was before it went off the rails <laughs> and became like this big rogues gallery showcase. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that that show also took inspiration from Gotham Central, but, but didn't like you know, strictly adapt it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it feels like it's retreading some old territory, but at the same time, we don't know when this prequel will be taking place, how long ago it'll be taking place as a prequel. Will Jeffrey Wright be reprising his role or will a younger actor be playing a young Jeffrey Wright in this series? Oh, that's interesting. I just assumed it would be Jeffrey Wright, but yeah, that's a good point. I guess I could have a, a totally different person play a much younger version of that character. Yeah, because Jeffrey Wright is not confirmed to appear in this series as of yet. So it's still up in the air. Um, it's supposed to be about uh, the corruption in Gotham City uh, police uh, before the vigilante appears. And uh, it's going to be show run by Joe Barton, who took to Twitter last month to tease the tone of the show, tweeting that there are no good cops. So, you know, it's about police corruption and all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, 
I, I don't know whether it will be more of a success than Gotham. I remember checking out the first, the pilot episode of Gotham, and I really disliked it, despite uh, liking the star a lot, whose name is slipping me, the OC star. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know what how what they're going to do with this now that feels like it's kind of retreading old ground. Yeah, I guess it's just retreading, but with the, uh, the sort of like prestige sheen on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, it's kind of the same. So many of these comic book stories are just like, told and retold over and over again so it's not like super surprising but and and i guess the fact that this is going to be you know on hbo max and like with um you know you had terrence winter who like was a a big uh i guess creative force behind this who has since stepped away but um you know it, it has that sort of like prestige tv kind of vibe to it and especially if they actually get jeffrey wright to reprise that role it will, it will feel like more of a big deal i think mm-hmm. um what do you think about this, HG? Like the just the idea of this being, you know, the James Gordon show. Um, you know, I know, I know you're a fan of uh, of Batman, especially like the Bat Family. You've you've expressed your love for uh, for those characters before. What do you think about um, the character of of Jim Gordon? Where does he fit into the the Bat Family that you love so much? Is he sort of like, um, you know, in the comics that you've read and the and the movies and TV shows that you've consumed and, and, you know, are a particular fan of, is he sort of like a, uh, you know, like a beloved uncle who's like, I, I guess if you were to give him a, a distinction within that family. I mean, he's still mostly a peripheral, peripheral character to the Bat family, apart from his connection, of course, to Barbara Gordon. And I think that his sort of uh, resigned uh, and wary alliance with Batman is always an interesting thing. But um, he's not one of my favorite characters per se. But uh, I, and I can't say that I'm that interested in a Jim Gordon show, especially after being underwhelmed by the Fox version. But you're you're right; it is a prestige take on it. Maybe it'll be something interesting and new. I I admittedly was more interested in seeing something, seeing an adaptation of Gotham Central because that feels feels like it's more of a diverse group of characters and you can have a fun ensemble with, ensemble with that. But um, yeah, I don't know if we already have enough sort of brooding, righteous characters in mm-hmm. Gotham with Batman. So I don't know how much of a difference you can have with a, a Gordon one. Um, so yeah, I, I can't say I'm super excited about this. I also have not seen Jeffrey Wright in the role yet, apart from a couple of scenes in a trailer. So maybe I'll be really won over by his performance and um, want to see either him reprise this role or a younger version of him again. Yeah. All right. So uh, speaking of Batman, let's talk a little bit about uh, Zack Snyder, who uh, directed Ben Affleck as as Batman in a couple movies over the past few years. Um, there's some news going around uh, yesterday. Uh, during an interview at something called Justice Con this past weekend, Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio, who were the writers, uh, or, or Snyder directed and Terrio was the writer of um, Justice League, and I believe Terrio did uh, writing uh, a pass of the script for Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. They were talking a little bit about the title for that film, the one that came out in 2016. And uh, over the past few, I guess, weeks, there, you know, Chris Terrio has come out. Uh, there was a big article he did in Vanity Fair or interview he did uh, for Vanity Fair where he was talking about how he was not a, a fan of that title and he absolutely would not have named the movie that. And he thinks that it was the studio and suspected it was like marketing. And that was the only reason that it, it got that title because he did not like it. Um, 
his quote here was, uh, the intention of the film was to do something interesting and dark and complex, not quite as Las Vegas bust em up WWE match as Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, so during this interview at, at JusticeCon this past weekend, Snyder and Terrio, I guess, were asked about the, the title and they confirmed that Warner Brothers uh, indeed were the ones who chose the title for that movie. And they wanted something a little bit different. So Zack Snyder said, I remember when there was a back and forth that I had with the studio, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice was like the only title that they liked. The whole V instead of versus, it was like this crazy negotiation. I was like, guys, can't we just do something like Son of Sun and Night of Night or something that's a little bit more poetic? And they were like, absolutely not. I was like, is it a court case? So uh, yeah, that's the... The, the whole court case thing, a lot of people were making that joke when the, the V instead of verses came out. But this idea of that Zack Snyder legitimately, seemingly legitimately wanting this movie to be called Son of Sun, S-O-N of S-U-N and Night of Night, K-N-I-G-H-T of N-I-G-H-T, uh, I, I, as a, um, you know, an allusion to Batman versus or Batman and Superman is um, kind of insane. So uh, I just wanted to get your your read on that. Homonyms. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, you know, this is like, it's so out there that to even dunk on it feels um, uh, superfluous. Like, like, it's not even necessary. Like, it's so crazy that he just thought that this would be something that a major studio would release, you know, a, a huge, you know, whatever, $200 million movie with a title like that. Um, it's kind of wild. Uh, Chris Terrio mentioned that there was discussions at one point about using titles like Justice League uh, colon Foundations or Justice League Rising to suggest that this movie would be part of that sort of larger arc of movies that Zack Snyder had been envisioning. Uh, obviously, they did not go with those. I think those are a little bit better, a little bit more comprehensible than Son of Sun and Night of Night. Why not um, just go with World's Finest? That's Yes, exactly. It's, it's the informal title for the Justice League and Batman and Superman anyways. I don't understand. I mean, yeah, I just, I'm not going to get too mean about it, but the idea, yeah, we don't, I, <laughs> the idea you know, of I, using I, these homonyms as some, and, and thinking like, it just, it just reeks of someone thinking that they are much more poetic and uh, learned than, and, and like it's kind of it yeah, i'm not gonna go into it actually i don't want to yeah, invite it, Denny. It's, i know it, like i'm i i hesitate to even bring this up because like i don't want everybody to be like oh this is the podcast where people just like dunk on Zack snyder the whole time like i'm legitimately look, looking forward to army of the dead which is his new netflix movie the trailer for that came out recently and i'm, I'm like oh man this looks like a lot of fun so i i'm not like a Zack snyder hater uh you know we taught we did a whole in-depth uh, spoiler interview or uh, or review of um, the Snyder cut. And there were several things in that movie that I actually enjoyed. So it, it's, it's not, I'm not bringing this up just to dunk on Zack Snyder, but just, man, this, this um, like the disconnect between reality and, and uh, what is actually possible <laughs> and what he wanted here is just so, so wild. I think, uh, okay. So to put a, a point on this, um, I think Brad, uh, Brad Oman in our Slack channel actually had the most um, charitable reading of this entire situation here and he said that son of sun and night of night sounds like it would be a really good title for a comic book but yes. not a good title for an actual movie especially one that had had to shoulder so much uh it would you know be a great as, title for a tv episode even like that's that's a cool oh, yeah. title but yeah it's just uh not something for a big tentpole movie release yeah last time i checked last night um 
the, the uh, so SlashFilm tweets out all of the articles that we post uh, through the at SlashFilm Twitter account. And I, I just happened to be scrolling through Twitter last night and I saw that several people were retweeting this, just like making jokes about the idea of Son of Sun and Night of Night. And last I saw, I think it had like 870 quote tweets. And I was like, <laughs> man, that is a lot of jokes. People really uh, were... We're tapping into that um, and and disagreeing harshly with what Zack Snyder, uh, I guess, <laughs> his poetic version of this title. So uh, I just thought it was it was interesting and um, you know maybe a window into the psyche of uh, Zack Snyder, a guy who we're always looking to to uh, learn a little bit more about and, and try to get inside his head and figure out what why he makes the decisions that he does. Yeah, honestly, so. he seems like a decent guy. He seems like he a does. nice guy. He just. He- he also feels like a philosophy 101 guy that I would really yeah. want to talk to, but also he seems perfectly nice. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more about all of these stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to send in mailbag topics and recommendations and and questions to us there too. Uh, Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We've gotten some really great reviews uh, recently. So thank you all for anybody who's done that. And I encourage all of you who are listening, if you haven't done that yet, to please just take a few minutes and do that. It would be really, really helpful. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you tomorrow.